Hey folks, this podcast is recorded in a house with lots of animals, so there may be some interruptions of the feline or canine type. And hopefully not teenager type, but you never know. It's true. Also, this podcast may contain language of an explicit nature, and while we try not to be dirty or anything, we swear a lot. So that's your warning. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 17. I am your host, Kevin Sonny. We are going to talk about, I don't know what we're going to talk about this week, probably how we're keeping ourselves productive. (laughs) And, or not. And later on this hour, I have an interview with our good friend, Bart Lafferty, again, not the best recording conditions because it was in a cafe and it never fails, right? It absolutely never fails. You sit down, it's nice and quiet and kind of secluded and you've got the microphone set up and you've checked the sound to make sure everything sounds good. And the moment you're about halfway through that first question, suddenly there's like eight people yelling their orders at the poor woman behind the counter who doesn't. So I'm trying, I'm, I'm working on directional microphones or with the directional microphones and trying to get them better. In any case, had a great discussion with Murr this week, and I can't wait to share it with you. And that's the the big one. I mean, we've got all things open coming up. Yep. We have our friend Vicky Sue from Hobitica coming into town. And the Self Wolf guys. And the Self Wolf guys. So those are those are going to be discussions in the near ish future. We've got uh, a new chicken coop that I'm trying to find time to finish. You've been working on it very regularly. It seems like I come home from writing and you're like, oh yes, I sanded and waxed the tray and cut a, th- a piece of MDF to fit the thing and I've installed the automatic chicken door. Well, I, I drove to... Uh, Taurus Balog is a good friend and he's got a full workshop. And I did that after work. It was after work last night when the new automatic chicken door had come in and I had in- I was out there installing it while I was waiting for dinner to finish baking. <laughs> Hey, I was able to install it in under 30 minutes. I'm pretty impressed with that you should be, and particular it, it, it thing. Is, it is an automatic chicken door. It really is. But that's sort of the, the side project, the I'm doing this for fun, and that's what I'm doing to relax, right? I'm doing that, and I'm playing with automation software and monitoring software, so eventually I can monitor the chickens and check their temperature, the temperature of the coop, and make sure the door is closed at night without actually having to be here. Right. That's sort of the big goal. And then eventually, you know, pictures of the chickens, because y'all seem to like pictures of the chickens, or at least Twitter does. (laughs) And since it's molt, it's not a good time. It's molt season. It's not a good time for strong, independent chicken to have photos. Uh, No, she, she has no tail. No. And uh, there are feathers sort of strewn about the garden. She's very shy. She doesn't really want to come out much. She's sticking to the woods and coming out for food and then going back almost immediately into the woods. Well, you know, when you're having a bad feather day. Exactly. This week, I have been wrapping up one of the big projects for my day job, and that's, again, kind of eating everything. Otherwise, I've been working on the chicken coop and playing with, with... software and it's a lot of fun i do have to get the presentation ready or my part of the presentation for all things open ready in the next couple days um that's gonna be a big thing you mean two three i don't actually present until monday there will be people here there will be people here cuts into productivity it does so you should work on it 
tonight or tomorrow. Or tomorrow, or, yeah. yeah. There will there will be working on it. Yes. And that's my big thing. I'm keeping reasonably organized. And while my planner isn't getting daily pokes and updates, it is still very useful for keeping of notes and tracking of notes and making sure I'm not over-exerting my schedule and crap like that. So that's me. Meanwhile, our Wombat Test Subject, hi. Wombat hi. Test Subject, What's author and illustrator noise? Ursula Vernon. Which noise? That's the washing machine you're hearing humming oh. in the background. Okay, it sounded like a phone vibrating on something, and I'm sort of hair trigger at the moment. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh... A lot of family stuff going on at the moment, so which is difficult, but that doesn't mean I haven't gotten a lot done, because when family stuff is going on, I work. <laughs> because, you know, if the world is, if, if, if I am going to be, if I am the only one in the family for whom everything is not crashing down, then I am the one who's going to have to pay for everything, so I have to write the books to make the money. Uh, and so you've... Finished one. You're in copy edits on one. Uh, yeah, I I got back the edits for um, my book Clockwork Boys. I did the edits like in that night, pretty much. Sent it out to everybody, to my copy editors, and well, formatted it for ebook and whatnot. Oh, sent yeah. it out to the copy editors, and that's a stage where I sort of walk on eggshells because now it's going to people other than Kevin eh. and who loves me and has to put up with these things and eh. Brooke who's getting paid and has to put up with these things and Cassie who is very patient and does put up with these things <laughs> and uh, now it's going to people who I like but who you know are are they they will read the book and they will see what I am like <laughs> yeah, and this uh, isn't the first time. Oh no, no! But this this book is is sufficiently different than the usual. That um, this is, I, I sort of feel like most of my stuff is Studio Ghibli, and this one is Quentin Tarantino. A little more so, yes. And so it was a great relief when uh, I am I am lucky to have very fast turnaround copy editors mostly. Uh, it was a great relief when my friend Sigrid was like, "This is hilarious." And I was like, oh, thank God, because I wasn't sure if anyone else thought it was funny except me. Because <laughs> my Aunt Brooke was mostly, this is horrifying. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of horrifying in there. But there's also some really funny bits. The well, yeah, it's the, it's, the, the bit with the bandit asking if they're kidnapping her. <laughs> it was like, yes. I laughed so loud that the rest of the family wondered what was going on. <laughs> I was like, yes. Well, yeah, your your big skill in this is dialogue. Yeah, dialogue is is what I do. Uh, so getting that out, and this has, and I've been working on the sequel, um, very hard, which uh, is very close to done, and so I have to finish it in a way that makes sense. And then, of course, I'll get it. Then you'll get it. Then the copy editors will get it. No, then Brooke will get it. Then Brooke will and then get Brooke it. will will send it back with notes saying this doesn't make sense or this does make sense or oh god, have I mentioned this is horrifying? Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't. Think, well, there. Okay, yeah, there's some pretty just straight up horrifying things in book two. Just a couple. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just remembered my description of the Wonder Engine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so... um, This one's not for kids. <laughs> oh, this, God, no. This one may not even be for teens. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this one. This one has sex scenes. A book with sex scenes. Didn't go as far as to name any parts. Someday I'll be able to do that in a book. Someday. Yes. Without blushing and going, oh god, Giggling why did I write that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Life is hard. Uh, but the thing is, I managed to get through uh, about four thousand words of um, that and another thousand or so on a completely unrelated project that. You know, was just I was like, oh, I figured out what this one does, and uh, so I threw another thousand words at it. Um, it may never go anywhere, or it may. But yeah. But that's how I work: is that I I start mm-hmm. a thing, and then I have an idea, and I'm like, oh, let me write this down. Like I started this one, you know, like what, two or three years ago, I had this idea, and something like, like that. Yeah. Yeah, let me go write this other thing on it. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then I've also been rewriting slowly, and this is the one that's 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 starting to come to crunch time the uh, the hamster book and whew, it's uh yeah that's um, never an easy thing no i'm i'm getting down to the wire on in that in our terminology on the technology side of things we would call that refactoring we have to the the start i call it the death march <laughs> sometimes it's a death march the start works really good the end works the end result is what you're after but it's all the stuff in the middle that's messy and spaghetti code or variables like variable one variable two and it's just horribly inefficient so you have to go back and you have to make it smooth and flow and get rid of all the obscure or vague references that don't really belong inside your your source it sounds a lot like that with the book writing well, there's uh, this one in particular, since I'm having to like rewrite it and just sit there and copy and paste chunks over and then write connective tissue and then copy and paste chunks over. Right. And it's, it, it, I'm always like, I've done so much work and then I look and the word count has hardly moved and I'm like, yeah. God, yeah. But anyway, uh, I did have to take a mental health day. You did. Um, Very stressful day. Yeah. Uh, that one could have gone better. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just like, okay, today is done. I'm not getting anything more done today. Let me just take some meds and go to bed. And If that's what you need to do. Yes, and the world will be better in the morning, or at least it will still be here in the morning, and at least you'll have a good night's sleep. Yes. And I've been playing Planescape Torment. Or not Planescape Torment, Torment, Tides of Numenera. Right. Which is making me want to learn the Unity engine and go write a game, which, you know, I haven't finished the other one. I... No, you, you keep migrating it to the newer engine. No, no, I, I really should finish it, but I haven't exactly had any time. So. Yeah, that's understandable. And then, but I did get a bit of a reprieve in that um, the one magazine is probably, is maybe not buying the thing because they realized it's so long they'd have to split it into, like, three issues. Uh, oh. And they're like, okay, yeah, that's really long, and it's not quite dark enough for their purposes. So I made Kevin read it, and Kevin was like, this isn't dark. It's no, sad. it's yeah, it, it is, it is. Yeah, so poignant. Poignant, poignant is good. Yeah, so. it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. So, <laughs> I can't wait for everybody else to be able to read it because it's actually a really good story. But it's too nice for what this particular publisher wanted. Yeah, I think so. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. It is sweet. <laughs> it is sweet. Yes, and with monsters and with monsters and, and horror and all that. But yeah, yeah, it's sweet. 
Anyway, so, you know, I'm just trucking along, trying to get stuff done. I discovered that in order to get power hooked up to the dog skull patch, I have to talk to the county. So I have to try to navigate that tomorrow. Oh, boy. In order to figure out whether or not, you know, I can have power there, which, yeah. No, right. I'm supposed to talk to the microphone. I was staring not, out the window. Yeah, you're, you're talking to the window, not to the microphone. It's, oh, it's yes. not. Um, so I haven't done anything terribly organized. Just, I've, I've been productive. Mm-hmm. But not organized. But not organized. Well, but keep having Wonderlist to keep track of my my writing has been really mm-hmm. handy because I can look and say, "Wow, last week was really super productive," and uh, or this, you know, this this stretch since since we since last we spoke, internet has been really <laughs> productive. I'm like, okay, I've I've because so often you know you feel like you're just kind of grinding in one place. And keeping track of my word count daily has actually made me feel more productive. Um, back in the day, it uh, it didn't. Because uh, I, I would just go, did I get a thousand words done today? Yay. And if I got more, yay. But I wasn't keeping a master list of it. So you, so you didn't have that. You, you can't see the trend graph as it were. Right. So, I could, so, you know, one day would feel like failure and I didn't have a whole week to go back and go, oh, wow, no, I kicked ass and took names. So, yeah. Yeah. And you took a mental health day, which I think is really important. Yes. And not something I necessarily have the luxury of doing, and a lot of people don't have the luxury of doing, is just that call-in sick day. And one of the interesting things, going back to the letter show last week, now I have to bring it up, and I'm not even sure if I've got the right web browser running. Oh, I do. Is a story that was sent to us by our buddy Deb in Chicago. Okay. Deb Kasaba. And I was going to save this for next time, but scroll down here to the motorcycle salesman. So she and Phoenix, Deb and Phoenix, wanted, decided to buy motorcycles. And so they took the safety course. You always take the safety course. And then you, and then it was a long time ago, but hey, that's all right. They went to one of the biggest stores in the area for them. And after talking to the receptionist, we're handed off to a sales guy. And this is where the story gets kind of kind of fun. His name was Heavy. As you can guess, he was almost anemic thin. He did sell us our motorcycles, but he was a really great guy and we became friends. We'd go in every other week or so just to shoot the breeze. Over several years, we got to hear many stories about the motorcycle sales industry, both in Chicago and the country in general. One of the big things that came up a lot was how this store, or that store, was trying to poach him away from his current place. He was the top motorcycle seller in the Midwest, and everyone wanted him in their shop. His current employer was well aware of this, and they knew how high his sales numbers were each month. Because of this, they cut him a lot of slack. One of the things they let him do was he could call in a not feeling it. Right? Imagine if you had a job where you could call your boss and say, I'm not coming in today, I'm not feeling it. But they knew that when he was on, he was on, and no one could beat his numbers. And when he wasn't on, there was no point in paying him to sit around. Even with frequent not-feeling-it days, he would still be the top seller each month. Yeah. From Deb, then, I work for myself now, and I've taken that lesson to heart. When I'm on, I can do all the things. I will be a cyclone of productivity. But when I'm not feeling it, nothing gets done. Even worse, if I try to force it on not-feeling-it days... I end up making lots of mistakes and everything takes three times as long. But it's okay. 
On not feeling it days, I give myself permission to walk away from the project in front of me and do something else for the day. As an homage to Heavy, when I take that kind of day, I call in not feeling it. There you go. And something we don't aren't generally allowed to do in corporate America is have a not feeling it day. Oh, yeah. It's murderous. You are often judged by, especially if you have to go into an actual office. You're judged by button chair hours. By button chair hours. And it didn't matter what your numbers were. It didn't matter what, if all of your stuff was done, if your butt wasn't in the chair for a certain number of hours, you obviously weren't, weren't working. And the thing is that the other, uh, we get like conflicting signals in the, the freelance and self-pub, in you know, creative industries that... Uh, lots of writers who write for a living will tell you you cannot afford to wait on the muse. You have to sit down and write. God damn it! And this is absolutely true. Absolutely. At the same time, there are also going to be days when I when if I get two hundred words out, that is as good as the day is going to be, and I should take my two hundred words and go home. Yeah. And it's hard to to. It depends on your personality, you know, you, you, whether you are the kind who has to worry about slacking or whether you are the kind who has to worry that you will beat yourself into the ground because you're always at work. And uh, and the problem is if you beat yourself in the ground because you're always at work, probably you think you're a slacker. Yeah. So, you know, um, hi, my name is Ursula. Uh, <laughs> so, But yeah. the the side effect is that... Because I work for a button chair job almost, Mm -hmm. if I'm not online and interacting and and showing things to... Showing that I have done things to my remote co-workers, then the impression is that I'm not doing anything. Whether or not that's true, or maybe it's just stuff they don't see, because I work in a completely different environment than only... You know, it's, it's the government-certified environments. Only certain people are allowed in. But if we're being measured against other people on the team, they're like, well, he just wrote this big, beautiful thing that's making our life easier over there. What did you do? I made sure our customers were happy and built this other big, beautiful thing that no one else can touch. Yeah. And it gets really hard because then it starts to look like you're not actually doing anything. The... So, when you're in anthropology, one of the the seminal texts they make you read (laughs) is uh, when you are a a young Anthropology 101 student with with hearts in your eyes, is uh, called The Original Affluent Society, and it is a discussion of the diet of the the Kalahari tribesmen. Okay. And... They are hunter-gatherers in one of the most marginal areas on Earth, Mm -hmm. the Kalahari Desert, and they work about one day out of three. Really? Yeah. The rest of the time, they do whatever they want. And and, and this is the women. The women gather one day out of three, and that feeds them for three days in, again, super marginal area. Yeah. And the men hunt, like, once a month if they feel like it, and... It's uh, and apparently the the people ask why do you hunt at all because they get ninety percent of their their nutrition from from gathering 
and uh, the the joke, I suppose, or the the and the the statement that I have remembered forever was <laughs> the interviewer asking, you know, one of the hunters, why why do you bother to hunt at all? And he was like, eh, women like meat. And <laughs> so yeah. And, and 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 there's a whole you know hunting sort of uh, uh, spiritual thing. So they spend a lot of time you know invoking God for successful hunts and whatnot and spirits. And hunting a giraffe takes a really damn long time. It's oh, not yeah. like you can do it in two hours. It's I mean the other video they show you is how a a tribesman hunts a giraffe and it is just it is an anthropology snuff film. It is. <laughs> I mean, this I mean, guy, I laugh, but... this guy is walking forever, and you are in the chair feeling like you are walking forever, and he's just walking after a giraffe. Um, the And the giraffe is walking, and everyone is walking, and it's two hours of everyone walking. Wow. And the thing is, this is compressed from the three days until the giraffe fell over, and... Oof. So, uh, I mean, that, that's grim stuff. But the point is that eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, butt and chair is a new thing in human civilization. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's very... <laughs> and it is possible to be entirely productive, even in quite marginal areas. Uh, well, now, of course, they can't anymore because climate change and, and everyone mm-hmm. got fenced out of their ancestral lands and everything, and now it's terrible, but... Back in the day, mm-hmm. you you it, it was it was yeah. Productivity the, is not measured by button chair always. No, and maybe it. I I sometimes wonder if that isn't a change brought on by the frankly the enforcement of sane working conditions. Oh, the 40-hour well, work week is totally thanks to thanks right. the unions. Yeah. Thanks to the unions for your 40-hour work week. But now your bosses want to make sure they're squeezing every second out of those 40 hours. And there are fields for which 40 hours of button share is not really... No. I mean, it, if you are your own boss, figure out how you work. Some people work great on things like that. Some people don't. But, yep. yeah. And if you're like me, who is still working the day job, then understand that you are going to have to make those concessions. And whereas I got my book formatted and sent out at 2:30 in the morning last night. You did. Cuz I was sitting in bed doing this. And while I could work at 2:30 in the morning and probably be reasonably productive cuz there's not much going on on the East Coast, I would still be expected to be on at 9 a.m. Right. So, to yeah. because there's the expectation that I am on at 9 a.m. and I work until a certain time, and the side effect is that if you're not hourly, you have to be very careful to make sure that you don't get sucked into the I will work until the thing is done or the expectation of a consistent you will work until what it is you're done because you are salaried, which leads to 60 hour weeks, which leads to 70 hour weeks. Which, if you leads do, leads to an early grave. Leads to, not only does it lead to an early grave, but an employer will begin to expect it. If you do it as as an exception for two or three weeks in a row, with the fourth week, if you're leaving at forty hours, oftentimes people will be like, "Why are you going?" Yeah, it's it's yeah. 
once you pull miracles out of your ass often enough, they think you can shit miracles. Yes, and as someone who has shit too many miracles at his current job, <laughs> yes, we are we are pushing. I'm pushing very hard on the cross training and the secession planning, and that's something else that leaders and even team leads and managers often don't think about enough because they're always thinking I should be aiming for that next promotion. I will work hard to get the next promotion. Not thinking about, well, then are you going to be stuck with two jobs because you've got the new one you you busted your ass to learn and earn, or are you going to have both that one and your old job because there's no one who can replace you? And so something I've been trying to work into my work is that Kevin may be the expert today. But if Kevin is on vacation, or if Kevin is in Finland, or if, you know, there's a horrible accident and Kevin is the hospital for a month and can't work, someone has to be able to do this, too. And you can do a lot with documentation. You can do a lot with... Documentation is the only thing that's coming to mind. Uh, automation, right? But when push comes to shove, there has to be somebody else in any organization... Except if you are like a shop of one or a shop of two, like in, unless you're dinky and tiny, you should always be thinking about who's going to take your place. Well, unless you are in fact in the creative fields, in which case, once right. I die, that's the that there are no right. more. Uh, my I I am a shop of me, yes. and no one can take my place because everything comes out of my diseased brain. But your editor is thinking about it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. the, that's the other problem. I'm like, right. you know, I I'm only as good as my my last book. And yes. At any point, you know, but the the corollary to that is that if I decide tomorrow I am done with children's books and I'm just going to write horror, then uh, then I there, can do that. There are other editors. Yeah, there are yeah. other editors too. But uh, I'm not quite doing that yet because I don't wish to starve. But anyway. No. We should speaking of writing and everything else, Murr, Murr. Murr, yes, we will we will talk to Murr. Yes. After this brief musical interlude and then we'll be back after that. Hi folks, this is Kevin, obviously. I am sitting in a cafe in Carborough with my friend Mer Lafferty, and we're going to talk about productivity today. So welcome, Mer, to Productivity Alchemy. Can you introduce yourself to the people who might be listening that have no idea who you are? Uh, sure. My name is Mer Lafferty. I am a veteran podcaster. I've been doing it since 2004 and um, currently have two shows. I'm a writer. I've written nonfiction and science fiction and urban fantasy. 
and have recently written for the Star Wars universe and mm. some uh, short stories. Hoping for a big, bigger project someday. That would yep. be awesome. Um, and I'm an editor of Escape Pod, the first science fiction podcast magazine. And I'm sure there's something else out there. There's, Someone there's, will call me on it, but yeah. I wear a lot of hats. And Yes, and you keep yourself really busy, just yes. like the rest of us do. Um, so how do you keep yourself organized? It's a constant struggle. Um, <laughs> I work from home. I have a teenager. Um, yeah. I'm easily distracted by laundry and computer games. Yeah. And... Um, I do. I, I find paper product, uh, paper methods work a lot better for me. I prefer mm-hmm. to scribble on things rather than type them into my phone. And every once in a while, I'll get a productivity tool on my phone and then not use it because I don't like typing into my phone. I am with that. Familiar with that, yeah. Um, so strangely enough, I found the easiest thing for me to do is just. I got a week-long journal, so I look at each okay. week in one page, and then mm-hmm. it's got a just a lot uh, lines on the other page to write on and so on the the other page I write all the things I need to do in the week and then the next week I take all the things I didn't do and put them at the top of the list and if I'm very focused I will do those things first in a sort of eat the frog kind of way but in in reality I won't because I'll probably avoid them Um, as I was telling you over lunch I realized that my a lot of my productivity um, struggles have found their solution by just me trying to learn who I am. Right. And I know that sounds ridiculous because I'm 44, but it's the fact that um, I realized that I was being a hypocrite talking to my daughter when she would do something wrong. She would say she was sorry repeatedly, but right. it's like I don't care. I mean, I care. Thank you right. for being yeah. Sorry, but I want to know what you're going to do in the future to not have this happen. To fix it or to not have it happen again. What have you learned from this and what can you do? While if I spend an hour or two in the morning playing a computer game and then I get offline and then I start feeling self-loathing and then I'll just sit there and feel self-loathing for a good amount of time and then I'll think, this is achieving nothing. Why don't I just do what I do for my daughter, which is say, okay, yeah, that wasn't good, but you can't fix what you just did, so... How are you going to change this in the future? And and strangely enough, that mindset has helped me a lot in the past couple of weeks. Cool. Well, then we'll we'll save that for question four and the biggest help. <laughs> You're going to get out of me. It's know. cool. It's cool. I know. I know. Um, so, what habits or systems are important to you? I'm doing this. Um. I feel I feel strange saying this because I've been on my own as a freelancer, not on my own, but doing right, my own right. stuff for over a decade. But I've found some things this year that mm-hmm. have really helped and changed a lot of things for me. So even though I've been doing it a while, a lot of this stuff is new. But um, I have depression and I'm on antidepressants. But as but I know myself and I know that every once in a while I'll have a dip. Yep. And so when I recognized it recently, I said. Well, I'm going to need to um, um, so one of the hardest things about depression, even if you have it, is knowing when it's here 
because you might just have a bad day or you might have a bad reaction to something and, and, and it, it actually identifying it is, is, is a challenge. Until you're about halfway through it. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, oftentimes I won't realize it until I start to feel better. I'm like, oh, that's oh, what that one? Yeah. <laughs> Even after experiencing yeah. it for a while. But recently I went through it and I'm like, I've identified this. And I will say I am not a doctor and I do not believe <laughs> that you can fix clinical depression through eat right and exercise. However, your, your mental health is connected to your physical health. Mm-hmm. And I realized that if I treat my physical foundation well, mm-hmm. then when I get better mentally, it'll be more. You're in a. It, it'll be easier. Better, better state. Better state, yeah. yeah. And so I actually started. Um, I, as I said, I work from home, and I am one of those people who will drive my kid to school in pajamas, and you know, sometimes not get a shower until I go pick her up. Oh, I'm jealous of that one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and um, so I started getting up, getting dressed, and, and I established a routine for myself in the morning of just getting a number of things taken care of so they can't distract me during the day. You are the inspiration for one of the statements that we use regularly, and that's the, you know, I get up in the morning, I put on my pants. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go to work and do my thing and that whole pants kind of concept I believe Ursula and I both took from you yeah well when I first got laid off I heard the you know if if you don't want to be depressed by unemployment you need to continue your life as if you were at work not meaning you go to somebody's office and trespass but you need to get up you need to put your clothes on get breakfast sit Mm -hmm. down and do work and in that case your work is looking for a job right but I realized I'd started to slide on that, mm-hmm. and I and and so a couple of weeks ago I started a new morning routine, which has nothing to do with any of the work I do. But it has me up, it has me dressed, mm-hmm. it has me getting like the kitchen and the the house in a in a state that does not distract me, mm-hmm. and um, that helps me then look at my list and decide which are the most which thing I read is the most puts up the biggest wall in my head like oh god i don't want to do that i'll go on to the next thing and then i'll try to tackle that one okay yeah i'm often a low-hanging fruit followed by eating the frog like get the fruit in there yeah. and get the, the, the really easy things quick the quick and easy things so i don't have to worry about them and then the frog just to get it out of the way yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm considering a lot of the domestic stuff as the low-hanging fruit right. so i can feel like i've accomplished something mm-hmm. and then and then move on to the... Yeah, the, the more difficult stuff. And, of course, I'm discovering that, again, I've spent so much time fretting about certain things and actually taking care of them mm-hmm. almost never is enough, is as much time or energy as it takes for me to fret about them. That's fair. That is completely fair. So what would the biggest help be? And we already talked a little bit about that. Ooh, hold on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's one of those, this thing is actually an antenna. And oh, right. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Sorry. It's fine. All right. So what, and we already talked a little bit about this, uh, would you consider your biggest help? Pants. Pants. Yeah, you don't think about it. And, okay. and sweatpants and yoga pants and pajama pants are so comfortable. Yeah. But it, it keeps your mindset in the, I'm going to be laying around the house all day kind of thing but when you change your clothes and I'm not saying you have to get 
fancy. You have to get dressed right, up. Right. You don't have to put on a suit. But if you just get up and get cleaned up, then you're signaling to your brain it's time to start work. Right. And um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That helps me connect. And I've been listening to some productivity stuff, and, and I think the whole eat the frog thing has been the easiest for me. I don't know how he got a whole book out of that because I no, think it's a pretty know. simple concept. I don't understand how some of these people get whole books out of a lot of these things. Yeah. I mean, you know, from the personal happiness perspective, who moved my cheese? That is a very long parable to basically say reassess your surroundings on a regular basis and make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be, <laughs> supposed to be doing, you know. Yeah. Um, the One Minute Manager could have been retitled as um, three, well, it's the age of BuzzFeed, the, you know, three tricks to manage your people better and not actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how they get books out of some of these. That's why I'm not writing a book. Yeah. Because if I were writing a book, it would be, uh, you know, three lines and then we're on to the next thing. Yeah. So, so what about rewards? When you do something good, when you hit that goal, when you sell that novel, when you've just finished that latest episode of, of you know, uh, Escape Pod, boy, my brain is just not keeping up with me now. Oh, um, that's fine. Like with, I said, escape, I wear a lot of hats. Yeah, with Escape Pod that uh, is, you know, due next week or whatever. How do you reward yourself? I don't reward myself for the little stuff, and I think that's a mistake. Um, I tried stickers for a while. I know that sounds childish, but whatever Hell gives no. you whatever gives you the dopamine hit, right? Yeah. Um, I enjoy enjoy playing Habitica, which helps me kill things when I complete tasks. Um, if I've done something really big, like sell a novel yeah. or finish a novel, then that'll be you know like a bottle of wine with my husband kind of thing. <laughs> but Really, I, I don't have a lot of rewards, and I think that's probably a mistake. It, it can be. Some people work, you know, find that it works better than others. Mm-hmm. I know some people, Ursula and myself included, who are like, yeah, no, when I get this big thing done, then I can have the time to sit down and play that video game I've been saving up. Yeah, my problem is I don't, I'm not that disciplined. <laughs> Neither are we. Because it's like, yeah, my dad's not there saying you can't play video games. You know, no, I'm the adult, and the adult Mm -hmm. can play video games whenever the hell she wants to. Yeah. And and, Which is a childish way of thinking. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the the thing about it, it, it's more of a, if I can get this stuff done, then I have an hour where I don't have to worry about anything and can play. Mm Mm-hmm. What am I playing right now? Mostly Darkest Dungeon, and I think she just started something new, but she'd been playing Stellaris, mm-hmm. right? So much more of a, I'm done with everything else, I can let it go, and this is my reward. Well, I'll tell you, I pretty much play computer games a little bit each night, Okay. and if I've actually gotten work done, then I feel proud of myself while I play them, and if I haven't, I still play them, but I don't feel proud of myself. I'm not. I'm not a good person to ask about rewards. Well, that that actually leads right into the next question. Yeah. And that's what about when you miss or when you fail or when you don't hit that deadline? What do you do when you don't, as it were? 
This is the hard one. I yeah. Know. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever not turned something in. It's more of an emotional reaction of the self-loathing, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. Um, there's also reprioritizing everything to take the thing that I missed mm-hmm. and make it the priority while everything work. else goes in the back burner, which can screw everything else well, on my list. On that yeah. Yeah. But that's usually how I end up mm-hmm. dealing with it. Um, I'm actually pretty good about not missing deadlines. I am one of those writers who will procrastinate until the very last minute and then write my ass off, but... I will usually turn stuff in on time. Time. Yeah, yeah. so you're not like the the Wombat test subject who is, I must write X amount every day to hit this deadline. No, but I would like to be. Yeah. I think we can all aspire to that sort of thing and none of us hit it. I think that's the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. That's actually it. Oh, cool. Yeah, so do you have any, any other words or thoughts or things for the listeners? I'll go back to the procrastination and say that whatever you're procrastinating on with likely you've probably spent more time procrastinating on it and worrying about it than it actually has will take to fix it. To do it, yeah. Or or do it. Um, people look at everything that I do and ask me, how in the world do you do all of it? And it's really easy. I mean, it takes a couple of hours to do one podcast. It takes... You know, know a a couple of hours a week to manage a skate pod. It takes, you know, if I sit down and focus, it's like 45 minutes to write a thousand words. It's easy. That the work is easy. The the it's the discipline to take the time to do it is the hard part. Yeah. So yeah, it's easy. It's easy to do everything I do because it only takes a couple of hours a piece. However, Mm -hmm. one thing I didn't mention is. I almost always, um, the word, the word escapes me. I do podcast professionally. Yeah. It's always different Um, when you're on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, there's an issue of people don't think about mental energy. Mm Mm-hmm. And how, yes, if, if you have a desk job, you can still wear yourself out. If, if I have a day where I'm doing a lot of stuff, especially doing a lot of different stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm very productive, at the end of the day, my brain literally feels like a wrung-out sponge. I feel like there's a wrung-out sponge inside my head. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with the feeling. And I think, yes, it's easy to do everything I do because it only takes a couple of hours, but I almost always um, underestimate, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, underestimate okay. the mental energy or the tax of the mental energy is going to take. That, that thing where it's, no, you sit at a computer and you write code all day. How hard is that? Why are you so tired? Yeah. Right? That's, that's the thing that happens a lot in tech. Yeah. Um, or uh, you just went out and you sat at a coffee shop and you wrote on your laptop, why do you need a nap now? Because mm-hmm. thinking, believe it or not, is really hard work. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that until yeah. they do a lot of it. Yeah. Well, that sounded really bad. Maybe a little snarky, but you get the idea. Knowledge workers get a lot more tired than they think they have a right to do because yeah. they're not physical laborers. Yeah. And but the um, I lost it. Damn it. Sorry. 
That's cool. Uh, oh yeah, like some people can say, you know, how many words do you write a day? I'm like, well, I could. Mm-hmm. I could write if I sat down to write for eight hours a day. I could write five, six, ten thousand words, but I would need to take the next day off. Oh yeah. Because I would be tapped. I would be doing nothing left in the tank, and that's why only a couple of words a day is, or you know, Cory Doctorow does two hundred and fifty, like almost exactly. Yeah. Or um, was it Charlie Strauss who was talking about how he'll do like. 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 or 1,000, blah, blah. And then he'll have a day where he just goes straight to the wall and goes 10,000 or 12,000 mm-hmm. and he has to fall down for three days. Yeah. I think um, John Scalzi said something similar. Yeah. If, if I'm near the end of a book, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll throw in really, really heavy days. But then, but, but I know that at the end of the book, I get to collapse. So. Fall down for a little bit, yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, remember your mental energy. That's, that's a big thing. Don't procrastinate. Awesome. Think of the cost of the procrastination and the mental energy. Don't, don't, don't just, just cut that part. Out. Yeah, <laughs> just. it's cool. Nope. The whole idea is for 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 us to do these sort of conversations as normal people. Yeah. And so that everybody can hear that we're all human too, right? Yeah. So don't sweat it. Um, okay. So quick overview of where we can find your stuff. Um, I should have a new website up very soon at merverse.com. Okay. And that's where you can find my podcasts and my books and everything I'm working on. Um, I'm on Twitter usually as Mighty Mer, although mm-hmm. I'm taking a brief break now, but I'm there. And um, yeah, those are those are the two best places to find me. And of course, your latest novel, Six current Wakes. novel, Six Wakes, is in stores and on Amazon right now. Oh, yes. Now. Yes, it is. Yes. And... Um, the, Y'all should totally read it. It was awesome. It's 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 a clone murder mystery in space. Yes. And um, my nonfiction book is called I Should Be Writing, and it's based on my podcast. Mm-hmm. And that is in stores. I'm not sure if the ebook's out yet or not. I'll have to check on that. But yeah. uh, in stores and available for purchase online mm-hmm. soon. Now. Soon. Now. 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 Oh, okay. The the physical book is yes. Okay. So I know what I need to go order. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Mur. Thank you, you Kevin. And um, we'll be right back. And we're back. I want to really thank Murr for taking the time to talk to me. It was great to sit down and discuss this stuff with her. And she and I were friends. We don't get to see each other as often as we used to because, frankly, new job. Well, it's well, not a new job. You used to be co-workers. Well, yeah, that, that too. And... The uh, piece of equipment I used to do these field recordings actually came from Murr back when we were starting, I think, Heaven and Earth Sleep Cheap, and we were talking about doing it on the road. Yeah, yeah. So 
I owe her a lot. She was part of my podcast inspiration. It's just, I'm just really excited to have her on the show this time. One of the things that came up, and I can't remember if it was during the interview because I'm not listening to the whole thing right now, <laughs> and Ursula hasn't listened to the whole thing, was that Murr doesn't do like you do, which is you'll work on Project A a little bit, you'll work on Project B a little bit, maybe you'll be feeling Project A, then you put throw some words at Project C, maybe you're not feeling A, B, and C, so you're on D, and then you're back to A because suddenly you've got a deadline looming, but even then, you might take a half hour here, there, thousand words here, there to throw to B, C, or D. Yes. You are... I think I'm not going to say you're unique in that. Not but unique, but I may be unusual. I don't know. Unusual, okay. I was just talking to my friend Deb at lunch the other day. Deb is a romance author. Yes. Uh, Sabrina Jeffries is her pen name. She's also been Deborah Martin and I think a couple other people. Uh, romance authors change pen names a lot. Uh, yeah. It's it, when you are known for one particular thing, contemporary romance, Regency romance, paranormal, you want to shift, you change your name. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, it's all about the branding. Yeah. And she and I were talking about self-publishing and I'm like, one of the things, if you are going to self-publish, you have to be fast to make money uh, because you have to put stuff out at a fast clip these days. And she's like, I'm, I'm not fast, unfortunately. And she's like, I don't know how you work on all of these things. And because she has to do the same thing that uh, I think Murr does, which yep. is when I'm working on a project, this is the project I'm working on. Right. I have to be immersed in it. I have to go and, and work specifically on it, which is great because, you know... It, Deb starts a book, Deb finishes a book. Deb starts a book, <laughs> Deb finishes a book. I start a book, I chuck it on the heap. Uh, mm -hmm. I start, you know, literally, Clockwork Boys, I started in 2006. In fact, it was my NaNoWriMo project for 2006. Okay. Uh, I tell people, you know, don't. they say, don't immediately send your NaNoWriMo project to editors. I, I think I got that one. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, so I'm literally hammering on an 11 year old project right now. Um, part of it was 2006, weird, horrible year. I started a bunch of things. I don't know, because I was in a terrible emotional crucible at the time. Um, a lot of the things I started were fantastic and I got about 10,000 words into them and stopped. So I have been finishing books from that year for years, <laughs> literally. Oh, hey, this was a brilliant idea. Why did I ever... Oh, right, 2006. Yeah, that yeah. Seventh Pride, Nine Goblins, The right. Thing with the Armadillo. The uh, yes. we, uh, we can question the brilliantness of The Thing with the Armadillo. No, it, it, had, it had a lot of potential. It just wasn't executed well. Yes. Uh, I think it's better now. Anyway, I'll make you read it sometime. And, of course, <laughs> here we are at Clockwork Boys. And... Um, I worked on it, you know, and I have notes. I, I, in fact, on my word count thing, I've taken and written, I write, you know, what the other project I worked on was. Uh, there are two other projects that I haven't looked at in ages that I've just been randomly throwing words at. Um, the horror novel that I sold recently uh, went, you know, I think I started that two or three years ago. Um and I would come back, I would be like, oh, this is pretty good. I should put another 10, 20,000 words on it. And um, eh, and then usually there's a point where things hit momentum, and I'm like, i got to finish this sucker. And then it's stand back, because... Yeah, the book is coming. But, uh, <laughs> uh, 
but I but, de- but but lots of people can't do that, yeah. you know, and and they can't work on the same project in a day. I mean, I was literally sitting at the cafe switching between. Uh, this is the book where people, uh, where you know the assassin and the paladin are wandering around murdering each other, and this is My Little Red Riding Hood retelling with hamsters, and back and right. forth, and I can do that, it doesn't bother me, uh, maybe I don't need to immerse very much, <laughs> or... I, I have to be more careful with that, yeah. because yes, it is sometimes very helpful to take the take the mental break and shift from one thing you're doing to another, at least in my case, and that is okay, I have set up my code, and like the old XKCD joke, as long as you say it's compiling, you can get away with a lot. I have to start a process, and I have to let it run. And I have to keep an eye on it to make sure it doesn't crash, or when it crashes, it gets fixed. But unless I'm having a not-feeling-it kind of day, I'm probably using that time I'm time slicing in other things the thing I have to be careful about is to make sure I'm not time slicing in something that is completely totally 100% unrelated to work that they might try to own right right because I've got that other intellectual property thing going on where if I come up with the next big idea and I write it all on company time or close to company time as it were they can take it away from me so there's intellectual property concerns i have to be aware of although that doesn't mean that i can't poke at a useful or maybe not useful to the company yet but useful to me and maybe useful to the company later open source project it doesn't mean i can't poke at a couple of other related things that may improve my life greatly and the rest of my department's life greatly that are interesting, but they're just not related to the job that is sitting there that I'm waiting for to complete. Well, and and again, this comes back to one of the things I think we talked about early on, which is find out how you work. Yes. Because, like, you know, I used to be... I have to take out all of my paints and sit down and do a painting. And then I would clean everything and put it away, and five minutes later I would get it all out again. And yeah. I realized it's much easier if I just leave the damn thing on the table and I'll come in, work on it for 20 minutes or two hours, wander off again, come out, put a dot on something, wander off. Yeah. And stuff gets done that way. For me, it may not get done that way for anyone else, but... It, You're the When we talk about... You being productive, and not just you, Ursula Vernon, but you out there in... Internet land. Internet land, out there on the internet, in the internet, however that works. It's highly personal. And anytime... I I think I've said this before. Anytime somebody tries to tell you that this is the one greatest system that will solve all of your productivity problems and make you the most productive person in the world... you have to do it exactly like this and it'll work, they're selling something. They're selling something. Yes. Life is pain! Anyone who says differently is selling something. I... Okay, life is... is specialized? Individual? Life is is very specialized. There's no one-size-fits-all no matter what we try to say. Yes. Um, On that note... That was a Princess Bride quote. uh, I'm sure it was. I don't remember all the Princess Bride quotes. Was that movie or novel? Both. Both? Okay. Actually, that was that was uh, uh, <laughs> in the in the movie. It's uh, it's something that uh, that 
Wesley says to Buttercup in the book, it's something Fezzik's mother tells him. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I've wasted my life. No, that's that's one of the few books you can feel good about not wasting your life on, in, in my opinion. I also have most of the early Dragonlance novels memorized. Okay, now that might be a waste. Don't even ask me about frickin' Dark Elf Rangers. <laughs> Don't ask. Anyway, this week our badge code is Six Wakes. That is the title of Murr's book in stores now. It is a locked room mystery where the locked room is a Generation Starship and the mystery is the clones all waking up with their memory wiped and their last set of bodies all floating around the ship murdered. That's all you get. That is... I loved it. I was one of the lucky few who got to read it before it had a general release and... It's a thrill ride, so I'm really excited about being able to say this week's badge code is Six Wakes. And that is, I think, just about everything. We will... I can't believe the name is Scimitar Twinkle. That is not a badass name. So we'll talk to you guys in about a week. We've got a whole lot of good content coming up over the next couple of months. The five of you who are sobbing with embarrassed laughter, I love you. You are my people. I no, I'm I'm keeping it all inside, because if I let it out right now, oh God, you know, I know, oh, you know too. So it is a shame we bear that much. Being said, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up. I'm actually starting to think about the. So it's time to buy a new planner because the year end is coming up. Show that we really are overdue on doing. Especially we, with how how can we be overdue because the end of the year is coming up because the end of the year is not here yet. Well, it's mostly the stack of planners I've got next oh. to me, but <laughs> oh god, it's only October. It's gonna be November Shut before up. you know it. Yes, ma'am. We will be at WindyCon in October, taking a weekend no, of visit November. In November, I will be at All Things Open next week. That's <laughs> Monday the 23rd and Tuesday the 24th in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you're going to be there, stop by and say hi. Come find me. Get the I Met Kevin business card for Productivity Alchemy. <laughs> and that is about it. So have a good week, everybody, and stay productive.